This is a countdown. This is a podcast countdown. A podcast countdown of the top 35 prospects in the Cardinal system. We call it the Dirty 35. It's brought to you by Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. This is a song about prospects and counting down and bad writing. And wow, are you in for a treat other than just this song. Countdown! Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the next round of our mid-season Dirty 35, Top 35 Prospects in the Cardinals Organization Countdown. I am Kyle Reese. I am your host. Uh, Thank you so much for being a part of this. Five legs in our journey. This is the high upside group. These are the kids that if everything goes well, you're talking about potentially elite-level talents. Uh, Truth be told... There's a reason, to a degree, why I have the tiers the way they are. And I wanted to make sure that I built this middle tier around maybe the seven highest upside players in the organization. And I like the idea of putting them in the middle uh, of the Dirty 35 because I think it shows you... My idea was that it would show you, or demonstrate rather, that it could go either way with these prospects. They could either fall off or they could surge... But either way, they are the glue that holds the top 35 prospects in the Cardinals organization together. Now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kyle Reese. I am your host of this expedition through the Cardinals system. Uh, This Dirty 35 is presented to you by Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. We've already done two levels of podcasting for the first two tiers Uh, of seven players in the Dirty 35, prospects 35 through 29 and 28 through 22. Today we bring you 21 through 15. Uh, If you want, and you definitely should go back to listen to the podcasts for 22 through 28 and 29 through 35. A lot of information, a lot of great stuff. Read the articles, there's gifts in there. Uh, As always, if you have questions or thoughts or comments or disagreements or agreements, hit me up on Twitter. I am at KYLER416. If you'd rather do it in a private way, you can DM me through Twitter, or you can email me at KYLER416 at yahoo.com. Let's get right into it. Prospect number 21 on our list is uh, none other than first baseman Luke and Baker. Now, we knew that Luke and Baker was going to struggle in Palm Beach. And maybe the mistake that I made personally is I got really excited about April success from him. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't like lighting the world on fire. There wasn't much in the way of power, but he was getting on base about 20% of the time while striking out 23% of the time, which is a bit of a concern. No power, but he was adjusting well to Palm Beach. For those of you who don't know, the Florida State League is where Palm Beach plays, and it's the toughest league on hitters in the minor leagues, probably in all of baseball. Uh, Stadiums are big, the wind is swirling. It's a tough, tough league to play in for a hitter. And it's got to be even more difficult for a 21, 22-year-old kid coming off. Well, maybe not coming off. We'll get to the coming off part. But uh, in his first full season within within the Cardinals organization. Coming out of Texas Christian University, too, in which he had lost parts of three seasons 
due to major injuries. Uh, he didn't get the reps that maybe a lot of other collegiate players would have before entering Palm Beach. He's a big boy, that Luke and Baker. He's about seven foot tall. No, he's like six foot four, 260 pounds. He's a big, strong guy. He doesn't have a prototypical swing for power, but he does have enough power as like internal power, body power, uh, to power the ball over the fence more than he currently is. He's a terrible first baseman. Uh, yeah, uh, we knew that that was the case when the Cardinals drafted him. It couldn't be a moot point in the future with the DH being adopted by the National League, I'm sure within the next five years at the very latest. Uh, I think that I think he's gotten better at first base, and he'll never be anything more than a first baseman. Uh, but he needs to get substantially better than where he's at. The gift that I put in his write-up, it's worth keeping an eye on because he did such an amazing job of getting to the baseball. Uh, and for real, it was a really good play, but it's probably the best defensive play that he's made all year. And uh, it's not like a top-tier defensive play. I love Luke and Baker. Now, in the article, we'll tell you that May has been, pretty much since May 1st, uh, the Florida State League has been tough on Luke and Baker. He started incorporating a little bit more power in May. We like to see that, but it was at the cost of his walk rate, his strikeout rate, and batting average, hard hit. He was just up there swinging a little bit. Uh, And then it's kind of been that way again since May 1st. Uh, It seems like in June he was doing a better job of balancing it, or at least getting his walk rate back up, which completely tanked in May, uh, and, and leveling out the strikeouts. He's a better hitter than what he's showing. And, you know, one thing that I say in the article at the end is he was a top 10 prospect for me. Uh, Luke and Baker was prospect number seven in the, mid, the preseason Dirty 35. It's tough for me to drop him to 21st overall. And honestly, it's kind of illogical and definitely, definitely reactionary. But I felt that it was necessary. There's a group of three prospects in here that I think need to go ahead of Baker. Uh, I felt like it was necessary to drop him. In the hopes that maybe we we tam- like we temper our expectations with him, he'll be in the Texas League soon enough. Probably not this year. Might be at the end of the year. Might be next year. And he's going to tear that league apart. You know, his batting average will go up. Walk rate, uh, K rate will probably both be you know a walk rate of ten, K rate of twenty three. Probably next year he'll start hitting for doubles and home runs again. Uh, but uh, you know he needs to turn it around here in the second half. And uh, hopefully we see that. He's a good player. He really is. Uh, a good hitter, that is. And it's a shame to see him struggle, uh, which we knew was coming, in the tough Florida State League. I-, I-, I mentioned it before about the Florida State League. You know, it's not as much of a death sentence as it used to be for prospects. The Cardinals would never, ever leave a player like Lugan Baker at uh, Palm Beach in the Florida State League uh, in past years. But they're doing it now because of advanced technology, Rep Soto, TrackMan, uh, all of that stuff that allows them to actually track measurables as opposed to just to, like box score stats. And also, you know, you, you look at Dylan Carlson last year. Dylan Carlson goes through Palm Beach, and it actually makes him a better player in the long run. You have to kind of adjust yourself. You know, if if Lugan Baker would have held steady what he did in April, and again, he would have had to incorporate a little bit of power. If there were no, there was if there was no power at all, we'd be concerned. Uh, but if everything else was there, he'd be a top 15 prospect in the organization easily. It's just you get concerned. Anyway, so yeah, I move him back and hope that we get a chance to move him way back up the list when he finds his way to the Texas League. And hopefully, 
<coughs> pardon me, God. I swear in one of these podcasts I'm not going to cough. Uh, hopefully, he finds success before he makes it to Springfield, makes it to Double A. Prospect number 20 on our list is right-handed pitcher Johan Oviedo. Last year was kind of a weird year for Oviedo. He probably had the worst start in the minors for the Cardinals on opening night for Peoria in 2018. Uh, threw 30-something pitches, only got one, recorded one out, walked six or seven guys. It was terrible. He really struggled for the first half of the Peoria season. He was doing okay but struggling. And then he blew the world apart for the second half of the 2018 season. Then in 2019, uh, he gets promoted, starts off rather, at Palm Beach, uh, again, Pitcher's League. And he is dominant. He only lets up two extra base hits in 30-something innings. You know, uh, uh, one double and one home run. A lot of soft contact, holding hitters to a 230 batting average. Again, not much slug there. Showing more consistency with this fastball, which, by the way, has a lot more life than it's had in the past. Uh, also, the velocity is showing a lot better, too. Gets more consistent with the fastball. Gets more chases with the changeup. Is is profiling a curve and a slider that are kind of interesting. Although the curve is probably the better pitch right now, I would say. Uh, anyways, he took some big steps. Then, Memphis had a bunch of injuries. And Springfield filled, backfilled Memphis's roster. And then Springfield had some injuries. And all of a sudden, six appearances into his 2019 season. And Johan Oviedo is pitching at Springfield. It was a rough go for Oviedo at first. He really struggled. It was mostly a command thing. You would see his curveball go flat a lot, and that was a concern. Uh, but he was overthrowing his fastball, you know, spiking his changeup because he was overthrowing it, throwing it into the dirt. Uh, and his mechanics were a little wonky, but over his last three starts, uh, I watched all three of his last three starts completely. And you can definitely see him starting to put it together. Uh, everything's cleaner. Everything's quicker. Everything's crisper. He's uh, really breaking off that, that curveball a lot better. He's mixing the fastball, which, again, is livelier than it's been in a very, very long time uh, with good uh, mileage on it, good velocity on it. He's mixing it really well with the changeup in particular, uh, keeping the eye level changing. He still walks too many people. Uh, it seems to be headed in the right direction, at least. And he still maybe tries to get away with a little too much over the plate, something that's going to need to clean up. Uh, but it's been a positive, positive season for Johan Oviedo, our number 20 prospect on the Dirty 35 uh, right-handed pitcher. Uh, again, keep an eye out for him. Look, he's one of a group of players that need to reach their ceiling for the Cardinals or something close to the ceiling, maybe their median ceiling. And the Cardinals are going to need that arm and probably in the near future, uh, you know, maybe next time, this time next year, maybe the beginning of the 2021 season. Uh, if he continues doing what he did the other night against Milwaukee, uh, the uh, Milwaukee, oh, God, I can't think of what the uh, uh, Timber Rattlers or something like that. Anyways, uh, against, in his last start, he, uh, if he's like that consistently, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine, and he's going to be good, and we're going to be clamoring for him in the near future. But remember with Oviedo, he's a big boy, six foot six, probably 230, 200, probably down to 220. He's done a really good job of getting his body back in shape. Uh, down to 220, strong, physically imposing, uh, gets on hitters quickly. But he's, uh, he's, he's built the way you would want him to be. He has the stuff that's there. Right now, you probably would expect him to be a bullpen arm uh, in the long, long run. But if he continues on the... the if he continues down the road that he's gone down in his last three starts, I think you're talking about a guy who does have a chance to profile as a starting pitcher in the long run. 
Uh, he just needs to be more consistent with it. And then I have to wonder, too, the second half uh, success that he's having this year that matches last year's, is this a trend for him? Is this something that's going to keep up where he struggles in the first half and then blows, you know, blows it by hitters in the second half? It's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, but that's prospect number 20, uh, right-handed pitcher, Johan Oviedo. Prospect number 19 on our list uh, here on the Dirty 35 is Junior Fernandez. Now, uh, going back, uh, Junior Fernandez was signed as an international free agent in 2013. All that time ago, it seems like forever ago to me. Uh, was on the fast track, similar to Jordan Hicks and Sandy Alcantara. The big type arm that can make a major league debut very, very quickly. While Hicks was getting the bump uh, and Alcantara was getting traded, Fernandez was dealing with shoulder issues. Uh, the Cardinals, he missed an entire season pretty much from the middle part of uh, 2017 to the middle part of 2018. And when he came back in 2018, he, before he left, he was a starter. When he came back, he started pitching out of the bullpen. Took him about a half a season to figure out exactly the bullpen role, especially after he got promoted from Palm Beach to Springfield. And he did really well in it, but there was still something that needed to be figured out. And it really seemed like as we entered the 2019 season at the beginning and even to this very moment that he's figured it out. Uh, he's done a really good job of maintaining his fastball, fastball velocity. Uh, 99, 100 on a rare occasion. 98, 97. Uh, his fastball changeup is just as good as Hicks slider fastball combo. Uh, I would say that the third pitch is about the same where uh, uh, the breaking pitch for Fernandez is like the cur or the changeup for Hicks. Uh, the thing is, you know, Fernandez doesn't throw with the velocity or the life on his fastball that uh, um, Hicks throws with. So he's just like a grade underneath that. And he could very well be a valuable addition to the Cardinals bullpen uh, in the near future. Hold on one second. Sorry, I needed a drink. Uh, and I bring that up. I wanted to bring up that Fernandez could be a vital part of the Cardinals' bullpen moving forward because you're talking about a pitcher that you're going to have to protect uh, sooner or later. You'll have to protect him after this year or else he'll be exposed to the Rule 5 draft. He has struggled with arm issues in the past, and you also could use some help in the bullpen. I worry enough about Fernandez's arm in the long haul that I wouldn't waste his bullets at AAA. It seems like a waste to me. You know, every bullet that he ex he he shoots out of the gun in 2019 that isn't for the Cardinals just seems like a waste unless he's not successful here with the Cardinals. But he's definitely good enough now that he should at least get a chance and in the very, very near future. I just think that imagine if Jordan Hicks was down in the Memphis and Springfield bullpen for the last year and a half before he had the UCL injury. That would have been a waste of resources. You know, if you want him to start and he's in Memphis and Springfield, that's one thing. But if you're just going to put him in the bullpen and he's pitching well enough uh, that he deserves promotion after promotion, just promote him. Get him in the majors. Let's see what it looks like and adjust from there. But, uh, you know, I guess the bottom line here is it's great to see Junior Fernandez recover from arm issues uh, that luckily didn't require any type of surgery, but recover from arm issues that make him and put him, uh, make him a legit prospect and put him on the cusp of the major leagues. Uh, again, the fastball changeup, I love. His changeup is one of the most underrated pitches in the entire organization. 
You would love him. You're going to love watching him. You're also probably going to get frustrated here and there like you would with Hicks. Uh, the other thing about Junior Fernandez that I want to bring up as it, as it just hits me is the Cardinals have been really, really unusual, maybe a little weird, uh, trying to incorporate multi-inning relievers into their current bullpen. And we've seen this in the minor league level too. Uh, you know, We've seen it at the majors where John Brebbia will get two innings, then John Gann will get two innings, and then Giovanni uh, Gallegos will get two innings, and then Webb will get an inning in two-thirds. Uh, the Cardinals are trying to breed this. They sent Ryan Helsley back down to AAA one of the 1,700 times he's been moved up and down the ladder, uh, up and down Interstate 55, with the intent of making him a multi-inning reliever. They're trying really hard, and they're doing it too with Fernandez. And in his first AAA start, as you'll see in the article and you're reading the article, or his first AAA appearance, he comes in, bases loaded, gets out of the jam, strikes out the hitter. Then pitches three additional innings after that and 50 pitches. And that's a lot for him. Those are both season highs. They're also highs for him since coming off of the arm fatigue. He has three starts since. One's good. The next one is two and a third innings where he stretches out, throws 40-plus pitches. And then in his last start, he couldn't make it out in an inning. The Cardinals need to be careful with this type of player because of the history of arm issues. They cannot leave him out to dry. They cannot, they cannot afford to waste this arm in the minors, and they cannot afford to compromise it in the long run either. Get him to the majors. Let's get it going. Let's take advantage of this special arm while this special arm is dominating. Uh, timing does not appear to be... Uh, a cardinal strong suit, unfortunately. Uh, but that's prospect number 20, or prospect number 20. Jesus, I'm so stupid. Uh, prospect number 19, Junior Fernandez. I think I said Junior was prospect number 20 the first time around. I'm so stupid. So stupid. All right, prospect number 18, and this is where we start getting into it. I, I know that this is where things are going to get freaking weird, uh, but. Prospect number uh, uh, 18. Sorry, now I've got to double check every time I look at a prospect. Outfielder, Cardinals second round pick in the 2019 draft, Trajan Fletcher. Now, baseline with Trajan Fletcher, uh, I I just have a rule that when it comes to players of the high school variety that I haven't seen play against equal talent, uh, I don't generally get overhyped about it. It's something that I've had to learn the hard way over the years. Uh, we've seen it in the past where we get really excited about Nick Plummer, where we get really excited about Delvin Perez, where maybe we got a little overhyped about Nolan Gorman. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, so instead, I'm going to practice cautious optimism here. I haven't seen him in game other than against like people who he shouldn't be playing baseball against because he's too talented for it. So uh, because of that, I, I'm, I'm making him prospect number 18 on the list. Uh, look, he's, he's big and talented and raw and athletic. And he, he's got raw power. He's got raw speed. He has raw athleticism. But the very nature of it being raw is why he falls down the ladder a little bit for me, falls down on the list. The other thing is this is a kid who only played like 17 games last year, uh, who was from Maine, Portland, Maine, uh, a cold weather climate, again, playing against substantially inferior talent. Uh, it's a concern, and if you want to evaluate based on stats, like you just can't. You're not going to get any real information. Uh, Fletcher also pitches. By the way, the, the picture that Cardinals gifts found of Fletcher is amazing. And if you haven't seen it, you need to go look just for that very reason. So well done. Just amazing work by Cardinals Gifts. He's the absolute best. But uh, anyways, Fletcher, he can also pitch. He has a really strong arm. 
The one thing about Fletcher, though, and this is why he falls at the back third of our next three prospects, is that Fletcher, he's so raw, he's going to need a lot of coaching, he's going to need a lot of patience. He was very good in the Gulf Coast League in a small sample, just is in like his second or third start with Johnson City tonight as we record this on July 10th. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done uh, turning him in to a baseball player from being a raw athlete. When you look at his highlights, when you try to track it down, it's almost impossible to find two high, uh, two swings that are the exact same uh, mechanics-wise, not like swing-wise, but leg kick, uh, hip movement, hand placement, hand adjustment. Uh, but he does have the big raw power. It's just he needs a lot of coaching, in my opinion. So that's uh, that's prospect number 18, uh, uh, Trajan Fletcher. We like Trajan a lot. We're just going to try to be a little bit more cautiously optimistic instead of driving the overhype train over the bridge and into the water. Uh, I really don't have much else to say other than that. Take a look at the gifts. He's super fast. I mean... It's exactly what you would expect. Look, any scouting report for any kid who's 18 years old that is trying to figure it out on the fly is going to read the exact same if they're athletic. Uh, He's well put together. He's strong, all of that stuff. He's just a really solid baseball player. Uh, Prospect number 17 on our list is third baseman Malcolm Nunez. Uh, Look, Malcolm Nunez spent a little time in Peoria this year. It wasn't particularly good. You know him because he signed for $300,000 last year during the July 2nd international signing period, and he was a top 30 prospect, a top 30 in that class. Uh, he has a smooth, beautiful swing that's wonderful. We have some gifts of, in the article of what it looks like uh, prior to entering the Cardinals organization, and then what it looks like now. It actually looks a little bit like, uh, you know, I joke around in the article and say Ray Langford because I just want to bring up Ray Langford, but it looks a lot like uh, Aliris Montero to me. You know, don't overthink about his his struggle at Peoria. Other than that, he looked kind of poor in the field. His arms still looked really good, but he was letting bounces play him, sitting back a little too much instead of being aggressive on charger balls that he should be charging. Uh, the, the deal with Malcolm Nunez is everything that we said about Malcolm Nunez in the preseason still applies. Uh, we're working it out. We're figuring it out. He's currently out with a shoulder and and a back issue, a little injury there. He'll be back in the Johnson City lineup uh, soon enough, I hope. Hopefully these injuries aren't too bad. Uh, But he's an extremely raw uh, athlete, again, just like with Fletcher. He's more advanced than Fletcher is with a better feel for the actual game of baseball. That's why he goes ahead of Fletcher on the list. He just has a little bit of refining to do, especially in his approach, because right now he's swinging for everything, Uh, at least as his small stint in Peoria. He was swinging at everything, and for a minute there, it looked like he had figured it out, but he really didn't, and that was a concern. Got really bad, and then got sent back to extended spring training before the short season squads kicked up, and he was officially assigned to Johnson City, but I don't believe he's played a game yet for them. Uh, I don't know what else you want me to say about Malcolm Nunez. Dude's gotten girthy a little thick. Uh, we worried about that in the preseason write-up as well. Keep an eye on that. Uh, he's not like the, he's not a concerning level of girth, girth right now, but it's something worth keeping an eye on. Uh, I love Malcolm Nunez. He's an exciting prospect, and uh, hopefully he's healthy. And here soon, we can see what it looks like at the Johnson City level. The third of our three prospects here in this little high upside bracket uh, between prospects 18, 17, and 16 
is outfielder Jan Torres. Uh, Torres was acquired from the Cleveland Indians for outfielder Oscar Mercado. And right now, Oscar Mercado is just owning it for uh, Cleveland, and everyone's upset about the trade and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not one of those people who's going to freak out about it just yet. I like Mr. Torres a great deal, and I think we just need to be a little bit more patient and wait and see what happens. Uh, But prospect number 16, outfielder Jan Torres, it's simple. When I watch him, I just see it. Uh, Again, he spent a little time at Peoria, too. His his tenure at Peoria was the same length as Nunez's. Uh, his was worse for longer. But then over his last like week or so, eight games, he was starting to put it together, starting to hit it for extra, extra base hits. And this was because he was doing a better job of staying back on the breaking pitch. That's a big thing for him. He needs to do better about staying back on the breaking pitch. He usually, you know, when you look at his stats in the past, this is kind of a theme. He'll struggle early on at an assignment and then... You know, a month in, you've seen signs of him coming out of it, and then a month and a half, he's raking. We're hoping to see that again here in 2019. Only time will tell, but I'd bank on it. His swing is smooth. He's athletic. He's a fast base runner, although he might be a really bad base runner. Uh, the one area with, with Torres, and he's quick. He's not super fast. It's like a 50 grade, you know, 45, 50, somewhere around there. Uh, but there, there, he is prone to making some mental mistakes here and there, especially on the base pass. Uh, might get a little aggressive out in the outfield. He's a corner outfielder, although I'm sure the Cardinals will give him time in center. If he hasn't already had time in center, I haven't paid any attention really. Uh, but he's a fine outfielder who just, every once in a while, things get a little quirky, and he sometimes runs the bases really bad and sometimes really amazing. And he's a 19-year-old with a lot of stuff going on in the fact, in regards to the fact that he's still trying to figure it out. Uh, but I will say that I love Jan Torres. I, I said in the article that I could see him being a top 250 prospect in baseball by the end of the season, potentially, when he goes on his run, if he goes on his run. Uh, he's just six foot four, 200 pounds. He looks athletic. He has kind of an Edgar Renteria style to his swing. Uh, and he's that kind of player, but with more potential raw power. I uh, maybe, you know, I had a triumvirate of favorite players. It was personal favorite, where I was biased whenever I would talk to them, talk about them. Uh, Ryan Helsley, Randy Rosarena, and Andrew Kisner. As those three guys graduate off of our Dirty 35, I have to pick new people to replace them. And I think that two of the guys in this little subset are it. Uh, This guy and our next guy, uh, Torres for sure, and uh, our next guy, Angel Rondon. Look, Torres, when you watch it, you fall in love with him. He's just a supremely talented player. And uh, hopefully, he can work out some of these issues, get more consistent in staying back on breaking pitches. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't zap his power, which can happen with a prospect of this type sometimes. Hopefully, the power continues to uh, display. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. But th- look, this is the type of talent that the organization didn't have that this organization needed. And having him involved is really big and really important. And uh, you know, one thing I say in the write-up, too, with... Torres, Nunez, and Fletcher is that I don't really necessarily view them right now as like 16, 17, and 18. I view them as 16A, 16B, and 16C. They're all so important and so vital and so grouped together right now and intentionally grouped together that uh, I want to see which way they all break. Uh, While 2019 hasn't exactly been a, a 100% positive for Torres or Nunez. It's not as much of a negative it is uh, if all you're doing is looking, uh, as, as it would appear, if all you're doing is looking at the stat sheet uh, from the night before for the season up till this point. You're going to love John Torres. You're going to love Jan Torres or Jahan or however you pronounce his name, and I'm an idiot.
I'm gonna get another drink real fast this time of water. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I'm so used to doing pad and you guys knowing what's going on. Our last prospect in this subset is Angel Rondon, right-handed pitcher. Uh, Rondon has arguably been the best pitcher in the minor leagues for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2019. I think a lot of people would say it's Jake Woodford. Uh, of course, I'm going to say Ryan Helsley because I'm a homer. Uh, but I could make the argument, and anyone can really make the argument, that it's Angel Rondon. Rondon is at Springfield right now, and we're starting to see him like really come into his own. What's making Rondon is a low to mid-90s fastball that he mixes extremely well with a big, loopy breaking pitch. And the big, loopy breaking pitch is made better because of his motion, which is uh, he gets his arms high and it's deceptive and everything kind of comes from a weird same angle. Uh, He's young. He's only 21 at Springfield. When was the last time the Cardinals had a pitcher... Uh, in the early, you know, in his early twenties, in the twenty to twenty-one, twenty-two range, that excelled at Springfield. That wasn't a top prospect. That wasn't Jack Flaherty or Dakota Hudson. That wasn't a first-round pick. Uh, there, Rondon's arm hasn't been taxed the way that a lot of other arms have been taxed too, uh, because of splitting time and the situation with him uh, not pitching a ton, entering the Cardinals organization, signed as an international free agent. So, you know, it's, it's awesome to see Angel Rondon start to rise to the top here. Uh, I'm a big fan. I think his changeup is taking huge steps. One of the things, and I had forgotten about, so a hat tip uh, to my boy Scott Walker, who did bring this up. Um, I forgot that he struggled last year against lefties, and this goes to show you like where my brain is right now. And to see him just completely dominate lefties, including, and you'll see the gif in the article, but including Adalberto Mondesi for the Royals, who was on a rehab assignment. I mean, he just carved Mondesi up. It was a thing of beauty. And he does it because he, he'll throw his changeup in and out and at different heights. Or his curveball, rather. He throws it in and out. He'll throw it at different heights, kind of walk it down the, the ladder, which is awesome and fun to watch. Uh, and his changeup is just enough to keep hitters off balance uh, when he's throwing his curve and his fastball frequently. But look, I, I think right now is probably... The ceiling for Angel Rondon, I think you're talking about a four or five starting pitcher in the long run with bullpen back, you know, back end bullpen uh, upside with likeliness there. I think he's better than that. Honestly, again, a number four starter would be perfect. Uh, Comparison wise, I can't really tell you. He's a K per inning guy, striking out about 25% in Springfield, walking a little too many, although six of his like 30 walks or whatever came in one start uh, for Springfield. He's working it out. He's figuring out his little problems. uh, And they're becoming fewer and fewer and more and more noticeable. And that's even more noticeable because of the struggles that a lot of other pitchers in the organization have had. So, uh, again, I love Angel Rondon. He might end up being a top 10 prospect when some of these guys graduate off, like Helsley, Edmund, and Henesis Cabrera. I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's kind of in the pecking order right now to, to fall up the list. Uh, so we're just going to have to wait and see. But no doubt about it, of all the pitchers in the organization, to take a huge step forward and do it in maybe a surprising manner uh, manner to the rest of uh, the Cardinal, to anyone who follows Cardinals prospect that hasn't been following Birds on the Black and the Dirty 35, uh, definitely the, the biggest step and the most noteworthy step and potentially the best season from a starting pitcher 
uh, at the minor league level. Except for prospect number 29, Alex Fagalde. He's been amazing. But again, older for the levels he's been at, and that kind of skews exactly what's going on there. Also, he gets hit a little harder than Rondon. So that's it. Prospect number 15, right-handed pitcher Angel Rondon. Uh, again, I'll go over it one more time on our dirty 35 prospects 21 through 15. Prospect 21 is Lucan Baker. 20 is Johan Oviedo. 19 is Junior Fernandez. 18 is Trajan Fletcher. 17 is Malcolm Nunez. 16 is Jan Torres. And 15 is Angel Rondon. I hope you guys are enjoying the list so far. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at KYLER416. If you want to email me, you can email me at KYLER416 at yahoo.com. Getting back to Twitter, my DMs are open. Please feel free to hit me up there if you'd like to do that. Uh, Tomorrow we'll have prospects 14 through 7, or 14 through 8 rather. That's an interesting group. All these groups are kind of divided a certain way, and you'll start to see it a little bit more uh, when you step back and look at the list. Uh, But it's a good group and some high upside and also some very, very certain prospects here. Uh, And as always, if you are listening to this, uh, you are part of the resistance for everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark. Thank you so much for taking part in this with us. I hope you're enjoying it. If you have any recommendations, please reach out. And as always, family, happy hunting.